Welcome to the Entourage Podcast. My name is Paige Scott, and I'm going to be your host. Entourage Ministries gets its inspiration from Psalm 6811 that says, The Lord gives the command, and a great army of women proclaim the good news. Entourage is a multi-generational, multi-denominational, multicultural women's ministry based in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us today as we dive into truth from the Word so that your heart and spirit may be encouraged. for planning but just the leading of the Holy Spirit that the message that he has for us tonight starts at the beginning and carries through and I love that I love that about him oh I just want to pray again before we get into the message tonight father we thank you for the opportunity to gather here I thank you for your sweet sweet presence I pray that in all that we do, you are exalted. Not just here tonight, but when we go home and in all the places you take us the rest of this week, we give you praise, we give you thanks. Amen. Amen. Well, um, let me introduce myself for those of you that I don't know. I'm Annette Rustin, and <laughs> I have a fan. <laughs> Oh, two. Yes. <laughs> it's growing. <laughs> oh. Um, anyway, I am excited to be here with you tonight. I'm part of the Entourage Board, and most of you know, but Paige uh, was very expectant last month when we gathered together, and her baby's here doing great. She's doing great, and it's just they're taking time to welcome the baby and and uh, just spend precious time together as a family. So I love that, and I appreciate each one of you being here tonight. I'm glad that you're all here with us. And um, the Lord started actually talking to me about uh, the message I'm going to share tonight way back in the summer before we had really talked about any of um, plans for, you know, what might happen while she was gone or anything. But he just kept saying, this is a message for October. And I said, okay, well, we'll see what happens with that. And here we are. <laughs> so I love that. His timing is good. And um, I want to start by sharing a, a story that happened in my family that's just kind of funny, but, but it will segue into where we're going tonight. Um, my oldest daughter has a soft heart for animals. And... A stray dog showed up at school one day, running around in the parking lot. She was worried it was going to get hit. Nobody claimed it didn't have any tags on or anything. And she just welcomed it right into her car and brought it home <laughs> and just knew that we would be all right with that. And uh, long story short, we kept that dog. <laughs> her name was Sadie. But uh, Sadie had... She couldn't hear very well, and she was practically blind. And uh, so we just took her in, and she was a sweet, sweet dog, but she was a, a lab, so she was a fairly large dog. 
And one day we were all out in the backyard together and I'm standing there talking to these kids over here and aware of what else is happening. And Sadie is on the other side of the yard and she sees something in my direction that she needs to bark at or she thinks she sees it. I don't, I don't know because she definitely did not see me. <laughs> she came barreling across the yard barking and slammed right into my knees and I was turned the other direction. I didn't see her coming. I was totally oblivious. And needless to say, we both ended up in a huge heap on the ground. <laughs> she was fine and I was fine, so it's okay to giggle. <laughs> but um, it, it just hit me right there. And you know how kids, uh, you remember as a child how you would catch somebody with their knees locked and you'd you know, whack them at the back of their knee and they would buckle like this? And um, while those are kind of fun things, truly life sometimes does do that to us, doesn't it? And it catches us off guard and unaware and, and maybe unprepared, uh, but something hits us in the knees that causes us to buckle. And I want to just uh, share with you a little bit this evening as we look at the word and what the Lord has to say about situations that we find ourselves in like that. And... Um, the title of my message is called Set Your Stance. So before we get into scripture, I just want you to think about that for a minute. If you watch any sports at all, you have seen athletes who have trained for whatever sport they're participating in assume a specific position that gives them a, an advantage, a readiness, a preparedness whenever the whistle blows, the light turns green, somebody says go, the pistol, whatever, that starts their activity. They're in a position of readiness or preparedness. And the Father wants to help us be in a position of readiness or preparedness, regardless of what's coming. We may or may not know, but we can train, we can strengthen our muscles, we can have the mindset of we know what to do and we can be prepared to stand firm, to walk with the Lord whenever, wherever he tells us to go, regardless of what comes and hits us in the knees. Okay, so that's kind of an intro. I want to um, look, give me just a second, I get this unzipped. I want us to look at Matthew chapter 8 together and I have five verses for us to look at um, and I found this interesting that there's five verses and God gave me five <laughs> points that may mean nothing to you but I just like that it's like okay God I get it yeah I see a connection here but I want to just read these verses with you and let's talk through this first and then we'll dive into how to set our stance and be prepared. So in chapter 8, we're going to start at verse 23. But just to give you some background of what is happening in the couple of chapters right before this, it's the Sermon on the Mount. That is the longest message that is recorded in the New Testament. And it was... Uh, taught by Jesus on a hillside outside where a huge crowd 
had gathered. And not only did he teach uh, most of the day, he did many miracles and answered many questions. And so here we are in verse 23 at the end of the day, and we know that Jesus was God and man. And if I taught and did miracles and all, all day long, I think I would be tired, don't you? And Jesus was probably in his physical body tired. And so he said in verse 23, um, they got into a boat and he said to his disciples, let's go to the other side. Now what's interesting about this to me is that they're at the Sea of Galilee and they could have walked, but Jesus chose to get in the boats and go across the water. Did he know there was going to be a storm? He was God, but he wasn't concerned. <laughs> he had the answers, and so he invited the disciples to get in the boat with him. Now, four of these disciples were very used to being in a boat. They were fishermen by trade. Uh, Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, and then James and John were all four fishermen right there in the Sea of Galilee. That's where they made their living. Probably they got in their boats. They were probably there on the shore and they got in their boats to cross the sea. And without warning in verse 24, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. What's that a picture of? Perfect peace. He was at peace. The waves are coming over the boat, but he is sleeping. He's tired and he's resting. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. They were desperate. They, four of them were seamen and had been in storms on the sea before. But they were all afraid, and they cried out to the Lord, Save us, or we'll drown. And in verse 26, Jesus replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. Jesus was completely calm, so much that he was sleeping in the storm. And when he spoke the words, the entire environment around him became completely calm. The storm didn't just stop the water. It says the wind and the waves obeyed him and became calm. And I want to look at this um, phrase real quickly about Jesus saying, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? I think a lot of times we... Uh, could be tempted to read that and feel like Jesus is upset at him, like frustrated. <laughs> and he wasn't frustrated at them, was he? Because we know his character is that he wants us to call on his name. He invites us and asks us to call on his name. But that does sound, what is that? What is he saying? My commentaries I read about that was 
shared the idea that he was bothered because they were upset by their fears. He knew that they had felt distress and they became anxiety-ridden and afraid and they called out in desperation. Does he want us to call out to him? Yes, absolutely. But what did he call out as the root or the reason for their fear? Little faith. If you are a child of God, if you have asked him into your heart and confessed of your sins, you have faith because you called on his name and you believed, and that takes faith. So the measure here was how much faith they had. And by Jesus saying that, we can look at that and say, okay, so he was showing them there's room to grow. There's room to, for your faith to expand. So we'll look at that again in just a few minutes. All right. In verse 27, the men were amazed, and they asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. And they marveled. They were amazed at what he had done. So what's our application in those five verses? Jesus' disciples, that's you, that's me, that's us, not just the ones in the story, will experience stormy days. We'll experience stormy days. We'll have great days too, but we'll experience stormy days as well. As I was studying this, the Lord gave me a picture of being at a water park have you ever floated down the lazy river? <laughs> Isn't that fun? It's just so relaxing and just feels so great. And you don't really have to paddle or do anything. You just, you just float. <laughs> and the current just takes you. But then around the corner, there's like a waterfall or some rapids or something that kind of stirs things up a bit. And that's sometimes how life is too. But Jesus was with them the whole way. He was in the boat with them. He could have said, I'm going this way, I'm going by land, you go by sea, or he could have switched it, but he went with them. So he was always there. He will never forsake us or leave us. And then our third thing is that faith is an anchor. I found it interesting as we did the worship as storm was referred to an anchor to hold on to was referred to and our hope our faith is an anchor during a storm okay so if there's a question of how much is your faith how much faith do you have my question is how do we strengthen it how do we grow it Here are five steps to growing our faith, to setting our stance like that of a well-trained athlete that is ready for what is to come. Make Christ your cornerstone, your firm foundation. And I know we often talk about that at the very end of a service, but I just want to share with you today that if anyone is here that has not yet made that personal decision to make Christ the cornerstone and foundation of your life, I, I urge you to make that today. 
Jesus says in Revelations, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone will open the door, I will come in, and I will share a meal with him and him with me. And John 3, 16, we all know, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Why? So that we wouldn't perish, but that we could have eternal life. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, who is Jesus. So make Christ the cornerstone, your foundation. Hold fast without doubt or hesitation to Christ as your foundation. I'm going to go to Hebrews chapter 10 and just share a couple of verses throughout the rest of this uh, message from this chapter. But the first one I'm going to share is from verse 23. It says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. What does it mean to hold unswervingly or to hold fast? It means without doubt or hesitation. Grab onto it and I am not letting go. No matter what comes, no matter how high the gales are, no matter how hard the wind blows, I'm holding on and I will not let go. In that same chapter, the last verse says, we are not of those who shrink back. We don't shrink back and we're not destroyed, but we are of those who believe and are saved. We don't shrink back. We don't draw back. We don't step away. We don't let go and just float off in the current. We take hold and we do it without doubt or hesitation and we don't let go. Psalms 78 gives us a good picture of someone that did let go in the Old Testament, uh, the Israelites were sometimes referred to as Ephraim. Ephraim was a son of Joseph. If you remember the whole story about how he uh, sent Joseph ahead, it didn't look like it was a blessing, but God had a plan all along. And Joseph was in Egypt and became uh, second to Pharaoh, was able to store food in storehouses. So when the famine did come, his family actually came. And they, they survived the famine because Joseph was there. And Joseph had two sons. One was Ephraim. And 400 years later, when the Israelites left for the promised land under the leadership of Moses, part of Joseph's family went with them. His sons went with them, Ephraim. And that's where we get that name. So when we look at Psalm 78 in verse 9, 10, and 11, it says the Ephraimites. And we know that means the Israelites armed with the bow, turned back on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant, but they refused to walk according to his law. They forgot his works and the wonders that he had shown them. They practically, in a day-to-day -day way, forgot the glory and the magnificence and the power of the Lord. He had done all of these things from uh, releasing them from bondage, 
leading them across the Red Sea, providing manna in the desert, providing water, all these things that he had provided for them in the desert to help them survive, and they forgot practically those things. It was part of their history, but they didn't live in awe and reverence of the power of the Lord. And what does it say when the day of battle came? They laid down their bows and turned back. We do not have to be like the Israelites. We have to keep our focus on the Lord. We have to know that we're moving forward and back is not an option. We have to hold fast to that foundation in Christ and we have to stay in that readied position. Think of an archer with the bow pulled back and the arrow ready to fly and then releasing that not to its target but releasing the tension back on the bow and laying it down and walking away. Wow. All this preparation and all this time to leave it right there on the ground and turn away when they could have the promise of the Lord. I don't want to be in that place. Do you? I don't want to let go of my bow and lay it down and turn away. How do we keep our faith? How do we strengthen it? How do we hold fast? We eat the word, like literally eat the word. Jeremiah 15, 16 has become one of my favorite verses. It says, when your words came, talking about the Lord's word, when your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. Deuteronomy 32:47 says, Take to heart all the words I have solemnly declared to you this day. This is Moses talking to the Israelites because he, is, he knows he's about to die and they're about to cross the Jordan. And he says, Remember these things that I have declared to you so that you may command your children to obey carefully all the words of this law they are not idle words for you. They are your life. They're your very life. In Isaiah 40, verse 8, it says, The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. As I thought about that, I thought, you know, on Sundays often, maybe your families do this, our kids end up coming over to our house for lunch after church. And it's not a formal thing. It's very informal, but it just organically happens. <laughs> and it's fun, and we love it. But if that's the only time in the week that we ate, we would not have the strength to do the rest of the week. We'd feel great on Sunday. But the rest of the week, we would run down, be tired, not have the strength or the stamina to do what we need to do. And it's the same way for us. If we depend on hearing the word when we go to church or when we listen to that podcast or when we, whatever, when we turn on our praise and worship or whatever the case is, if, if we just depend on those things alone, we are not getting the nourishment that we need. And God's word says, eat it, eat it the word every day every day meditate on it write it on the doorposts put your hand on it when you go in and when you go out 
Put it on your forehead, he told the Jews, the Israelites. Put it on your forehead. His word is important. Why? Because it builds our faith and it builds our belief and it reminds us that God was faithful, he is faithful, and he will be faithful. It helps us hang on to the bow when we want to lay it down and do something more comfortable because we know that his word is true. And when that is our steady diet, we can stay steadily ready and prepared. The next thing to build our faith is just to flat not give the enemy a place. It's a decision, and we have to put our foot down and say, no, we're not giving you a place. You're probably all familiar with the uh, chapter 6 in Ephesians that talks about putting on the full armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, the belt of truth, the feet, uh, shot our feet with the gospel of peace, all those things. But what I want to point out is that it says four times in that section of verses to stand your ground with readiness. Think again of that athlete that is about to run that race and has that stance or that tennis player that has the racket back and stand your ground in readiness. And that's what that portion of scripture in Ephesians 6 is telling us, stand your ground. And when you've done everything else and you have all these things on, keep standing. (laughs) Don't stop standing. Hold fast. Keep your bow drawn and be ready. And that's the charge for all of us. And at the very end of that section, it says, pray for each other and all the saints. We have to have community. Community is so important. We we have to stay connected to each other. That's really at the heart of entourage, isn't it? To be in community with sisters and believers that can encourage each other, prod each other, pray for each other, and walk our roads with us. James 5 says to lay hands on each other and pray. If that is unfamiliar to you, but you see us do that here sometimes, that is why, because it says to lay hands on each other and pray for each other. Acts 2.42 says they devoted themselves, the believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Here's why. I'm going back to Hebrews 10 again. You probably know these verses. I just want us to digest them and read them together. It says in verse 24 and 25, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. What day is that? It's the day of Christ's return. And we have a charge right here to encourage each other and spur each other on. 
in these verses in Hebrews, it says, don't draw back, hold unswervingly to Christ, pray for each other, and spur each other on until Christ returns. Not when it's convenient. Not when it's reciprocated or it feels good or it's comfortable until the day that Christ returns. So we face storms. It's in John 16, 33, I believe, that that Jesus says, um, you will have trouble in this world, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And we do overcome any storm by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And where does our testimony come from? It comes from living a life of these five practices that builds our faith and strengthens our spiritual muscles and enables us to stand and encourage each other to stand and to pray when one is weak and to walk together. And that is how we can survive a storm, any storm that comes knowing that Jesus is in the boat. He's not going to get out. He's not going to choose another route and hope we make it. He's there all the time. Storms of doubt and fear in our souls can give way to a wonderful, unmistakable, miraculous calm in here, even when things are stormy out here, when we call on the name of Jesus. So um, as we close tonight, um, Danny and the worship team is going to come back and just lead us in a song. And I just invite you to ask the Holy Spirit, are there any of those places where you want to grow me, challenge me, encourage me, strengthen me, and just invite him to do that work? I invite him to do that. I, I'll take it all. <laughs> Increase it all, Jesus. I need it all. Increase it. And if you would like for someone to pray with you tonight, we're here to do that, and we will gladly do that. If you want to just pray where, right where you are. And then I would ask you also as you leave tonight that you would use whatever the Lord has said to your heart and spirit tonight to encourage another fellow believer in their walk with the Lord and spur them on. Thank you, Jesus. I think I'll just pray a short prayer and then we can sing and we'll be available to pray if you'd like to. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you that no matter where we find ourselves, you're right there and you're aware and you have a plan and we may be concerned, but you are not concerned. We can rest in you. You delight in us when we call on your name. So thank you, Father, for your provision. Thank you that as we surrender.
Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Entourage Ministries, visit our website at entourageministries.com or visit us on Facebook or Instagram. 